Good morning. Welcome to church. I'm glad you're here. And it is my sincere hope that this is the last time we meet each other with this table in between us. I'm really excited that next Sunday we get to begin to regather. Uh, I know it's not full on back to life as normal, but we're going to take what we can get for now and continue to press forward responsibly until we're all back together again. And so if you're not comfortable gathering with us on the 31st, uh, I hope you'll join us online and you'll enjoy worshiping with us that way. And then one day in the not too distant future, we'll all be back together here again as one body. So I hope you have your Bible with you. Galatians chapter 2 today is where we're going to be. I want you to imagine with me a courtroom scene. And in this courtroom, God is the judge and you are the accused. The accusations against you are that you have sinned and you have sinned against the judge, against God himself. And you know that you have committed those sins. You know that you are guilty and that indeed is the verdict against you. The verdict from the judge is guilty. That's the right verdict. If that was the end of the story, God would be well within his right to do that because he is holy and we are not and we have violated his holiness, sinned against him. He has the right to end it once and for all. The penalty for your guilty verdict is death. It's the right verdict. It's the right penalty. But here's what happens. God tells you there is another way. There's a way for your verdict and for your penalty to be reversed. The verdict is going to be changed. The penalty taken away altogether. And all of that goes through Jesus Christ. Now, there's a word we use to describe that reversal. And that word is justified or justification. And justified is the term used of everyone who's right with God, who is saved by God. But there's been a question among God's people for many, many years, up to this day, back to the book of Galatians, as to just exactly how a person is justified and when a person is justified. And these issues are what were ripping apart churches in the region of Galatia. Paul had come into that area. He had preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, seen people come to faith in Christ, and then he started churches in all these towns in this region. And then after he left, some false teachers, the Judaizers, came in, and they came in with a different view of justification. And so Paul teaches one view of justification. The Judaizers teach another. And there's no common ground between the two. There, there's no place where they can just compromise and agree to disagree and we'll just hold hands and go forward. You see, one view leads to life and the other view leads to death. That one view leads to freedom. The other view leads to imprisonment. One view gives assurance and the other view stokes fear. And today you're going to hear the Bible's answer for how and when a person is justified. And I promise you this, you are going to be amazed at the richness of God's love for you and the infinite blessings that are yours in Jesus Christ. Today, we study justification. And I want to give you three bedrock truths about this important Bible word. Follow along with me as I read in Galatians chapter 2, starting in verse 15. Paul says this, We are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, and yet... Because we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus, 
This was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. But if we ourselves are also found to be sinners while seeking to be justified by Christ, is Christ then a promoter of sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild those things that I tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. This is a beautiful passage. It's going to be worth you meditating on every day this week, if you so choose. But I want to show you in this passage three bedrock truths about justification, truths that will bring joy and strength to our walk with Jesus Christ. The first truth is this. It's stated in the text itself. Justification comes through faith in Jesus. Justification comes through faith in Jesus Christ. In verses 15 and 16. So in verse 15, Paul says this. He says people like him and Barnabas and Peter, those who are Christians from a Jewish background, they know that no one is justified by keeping the law. So if you were to ask Paul, Barnabas, Peter, how is it you're justified? They would say, not by keeping our former Jewish practices, but we are justified by faith in Jesus Christ. Let me put a little more flesh around this idea of justification. Uh, Now, I said just a bit ago that justification means there's this reversal in our verdict and penalty. We uh, We go from guilty to innocent. But it's not as if God just wipes the slate clean whenever we are justified. Justification is much better than a clean slate. Do you know what you and I do with a clean slate? We muck it up. We make that thing dirty just as soon as it's clean. And so there's no way that with a clean slate, I can have any assurance of my salvation. That's not justification. With a clean slate, I would need to be saved over and over again. So what happens in justification is not only does Jesus take your verdict and your penalty on himself, but then he gives you his verdict which is holiness, and his reward, which is eternal life. The courtroom scene is like this. God has issued the verdict against you, guilty, and your penalty is death. And then he says this. He says, I love you, and I love my son, and so I'm going to give my son to take your penalty and to die in your place. And then the son steps forward, Jesus Christ, and he says, I love you, and I love the Father. And because of that, I will take your guilt and I will take your death. And I will give you my holiness, my righteousness, my forgiveness, my blessing, my holy, holy, holiness. So when your life is done and you stand before God in judgment and he looks at you, he doesn't judge you based on the good you've done and the bad you've avoided. He judges you based on the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. If I wasn't tied down to a mic cable right now, I'd run a little victory lap around this table because this is unbelievable, the love of God for sinners like us, that he doesn't just wipe the slate clean, but he says when he sees you, you are holy and you are perfectly righteous and you are mine. How does that happen? 
That's the big question. How and when? Well, Paul tells us how it happens in verse 16. He says, we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. In our courtroom scene, the Judaizers would say this. They would say, in order to be justified, you need to believe in Jesus. Yes, of course you do. But you also need to show God all of the Jewish laws that you've kept. You need to defend yourself by saying, I believe in Jesus and I keep this diet and I've cut my flesh and I keep the holy days and I never miss church and I used to be a Sunday school teacher and I was a deacon or I was an elder. I I don't say bad words and I don't see bad movies. I tithe 10% of all that I have. Uh, I, I oppose abortion and I like to worship and I'm a good American and I'm good to animals, and I have a neutral carbon footprint, and I have a coexist bumper on my car, a bumper sticker on my car, and, and, and every day I post something on social media that I'm outraged about in this world. That's what the Judaizers would say. But here's the message Jesus has given Paul. A person is not justified by works of the law. Whether those works are Jewish or Baptist or non-Christian altogether, it doesn't matter their origin. No one is justified by works of the law. How could you be? It's an ever-changing bar. It's man-made rules, not God-given righteousness. And so a person's not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. And why Jesus? Because he's God who took on flesh. He died in your place for your sin. And everything he said and did was vindicated by his resurrection. He's the one, the only one. How is a person justified? By faith in Jesus. When is a person justified? Well, look at the middle of verse 16. Paul said this, We ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus. This was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. Paul and his companions, as he writes this, they are justified. They have been justified by faith in Jesus Christ. Judaizers move the goalpost. They move the finish line. Maybe that's a better analogy. They say justification isn't here and now. Justification is in the future, and it's uncertain. So believe in Jesus, keep these laws, and hope God will do you well in the end. But Paul says, no. Justification is a present reality. I believe in Jesus Christ, and I am justified once and for all. That's the promise given to all of us who trust in Jesus Christ. You believe and you are justified once and forever. You are saved by grace and held by grace once and for all. That's great news for us. What do we know about the origins of justification? It comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul gives us some more justification knowledge. He tells us, second, that justification by faith is freedom from sin. Now, one of Paul's favorite writing techniques is to play his own devil's advocate. He'll ask a question that an opposer might ask of him. And that's what he does in verse 17. He assumes the role of someone who opposes his view of justification. And he asks this question, verse 17, But if we ourselves are also found to be sinners while seeking to be justified by Christ, is Christ then a promoter of sin? Uh, In other words, he's asking this question. He says, look, if if I'm in a state of sin and I come to Jesus to be justified, 
Does that mean Jesus approves of my sin or he promotes my sin? And what's Paul's answer at the end of verse 17? Absolutely not. Faith in Christ does not promote sin. It doesn't push it forward in any way. Actually, it's reliance on the law that promotes sin. If you want to know what affirms sin in a person's life, it's living by my own man-made rules. Because whether those rules are made by some religious authority or just by me, myself, and I, we will never attain to the standard we set, and we will never attain to the standard of God's holiness. So it's the law that promotes sin, the law that confirms us as sinners. And so Paul says in verse 18, if I rebuild those things that I tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. And so if Paul's been justified by faith, why would he add all of these other laws, all of these other rules to it? Why would he say, believe in Jesus, and then here's your ladder to climb to heaven all at the same time? All that does is tear down the work of Christ and then also tear down the one who's trying to rely on the law for their justification. And so Paul says, verse 19, through the law, I died to the law that I might live for God. How did Paul die to the law? Well, the law's demand of death was fulfilled through Jesus' crucifixion. And when Jesus died, so did Paul, so to speak, at least as far as the law was concerned. Paul died to the law through Christ, his substitute at the cross. And so now Paul has renounced it and he's free from it. So how does believing in Jesus and being justified by faith in Jesus, how does that free me from sin? Uh, well, when we're talking about sin in this instance, it's, it's sin in everyday life. Not necessarily the grand sin that condemns. It's just the everyday life that you and I live. Well, when we trust in Jesus Christ and we're justified, well, that means that Christ has defeated sin once and for all. And if he's defeated it through his death and resurrection, then in my union with him, sin is defeated to me as well. Temptation is still real. Sin still occurs. Our sanctification is still ongoing. But sin is a defeated foe and has no power over us. Not only that, if my justification is by faith in Christ, then that means God the Holy Spirit dwells in me. And he leads me in truth. He convicts me of sin. He guides me in holiness. I have God with me leading me in the ways of righteousness. Because justification means freedom from sin. Justification doesn't affirm my sin. I don't need someone to affirm my sin. I need someone to fix it. I need someone to heal what's broken in me. I don't need someone to just say, hey, it's okay that you're being devoured by the world. I need someone to say, I'm going to take that world on me. I'm going to defeat it once and for all. And when we trust in Jesus Christ, that's what he does. He takes it all. We're set free once and for all from the prison of our man-made laws, set free to live in righteousness with him. So justification comes through faith in Christ and it's freedom from sin. The third bedrock truth that Paul gives us is that justification by faith is everyday life. It has implications for the way we live every single day of our lives. This is not just some theological world or excuse me word that exists in a big dictionary somewhere. It has implications for the day-to-day lives that we lead. So justification by faith changes everything. Paul says in verse 20, it's no longer 
Paul who lives, but it is Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. That has massive present tense ramifications for it. Every day we live life by faith in the Son of God. Every day by faith in the Son of God. So for Cody, what that means is this. Uh, one of my titles is husband. And as a husband, I live by faith in the Son of God every day with my wife. I'm not a perfect husband. I'm a flawed husband in many, many ways. I'm better than I was. I'm not as good as I'm going to be. But every day I live by faith in the Son of God. What that means is this, that I'm aware of my sin and my devotion is to Christ first and foremost. And out of the overflow of my walk with Him, I can properly love my wife and walk with her in her own holiness. Also, it means... I believe what Jesus says about what it means to be a godly husband. And I believe what Jesus says about lifelong marriage. And I believe what Jesus says about forgiveness and about uh, reconciliation. And I take his words, I take all of his word, and I apply it to my everyday life. Because it's not Cody who lives, it's Christ who lives in me. The life I live in my body, I live by faith in the Son of God. As a husband, as a father, as a pastor, as a neighbor... And what about you? In all the roles you have to fulfill as a follower of Jesus Christ, you live every day by faith in Him. So again, that's not to say we live sinless and perfect lives. And that's why Paul says in verse 21, I do not set aside the grace of God. Faith in Christ does not set aside the grace of God. It acknowledges I'm, I'm not finished yet. And God who has saved me by grace holds me by grace all the way to the end. I'm not saved by grace and secured by the law. I'm saved by grace and held by grace all the way through, thanks to this loving Heavenly Father. Now, here's what I know to be true about so many of us. So many of us live defined by our failures. You're not as good a mother as other mothers, and social media confirms that day in and day out. And you're not as capable as other people are capable. You're not as successful as other people are successful. Uh, you're not as skinny as other people are skinny. Uh, you eat secret snacks and everyone else is eating public kale. Uh, you, you never made varsity and you weren't even good enough for junior varsity. You were just uh, given a front seat row to watch everyone else from the stands. And uh, everyone else around you seems like they've done better. You've done the worst. Nothing you've done has been good enough. But here's the truth that obliterates that way of thinking. Did you see it there at the end of verse 20? Jesus loved you and gave himself for you. He loves you and he gave himself for you. You are his child. You are the one that he loves. You are the one he wants to forgive and bless and hold and sanctify. You're the one he gave his life for. And every day it's you and Jesus. Every day your case is settled before the Father. Every day his grace is yours. Every day Christ lives in you. Every day. Messes that we are. He loves us, and he gave his life for us. Don't let anyone give you a list of rules and say, this is how you get God to love you. Don't you believe anyone that says, here's the ladder you climb to get to heaven. He loves you, and he gave his life for you. 
Write that in permanent marker on your bathroom mirror and every place else you look until you get it in your soul. He loves you and he gave his life for you. How's a person justified? By faith alone. You can answer that, right? And when is a person justified? At the moment of salvation, the moment they believe, justification is theirs once and for all. And with Christ in us, we live free from sin and every day in the power of his love and grace. There's one way that leads to death. There's one way that leads to life. There's one way that stokes fear. There's one way that gives assurance. There's one way marked by failure. There's one way marked by love. And I urge you, go the way of love. I invite you right now to turn from your sin and turn to Jesus Christ. Quit striving in your own power. Quit running this losing race and trust in Jesus Christ because he loves you and he gave his life for you. And Christian, would you let your justification guide your everyday living? Did Jesus die for nothing? No. He died for you. Let's pray together. Jesus, for so great a love, we give you praise and glory and honor in our lives forevermore. Amen.